Hello, and welcome to the Gen Excellent Lessons Learned podcast with Marin and Monica. This is Monica. This is Marin. How's it going? I uh, good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Just chilling, getting right. ready for uh-huh. school to start again. I cannot believe it starts so early in the year down there. <laughs> I know. Um. So I wanted to. Talk about what I did yesterday because you influenced that, and I am so grateful for that. So, um, I woke up feeling like really not great yesterday. It was really weird, and I ended up working from the couch with on mindless stuff. Um, I got this new monitor, portable monitor for my laptop, so I was able to have like two monitors out there with me, and it was awesome. But I, um, had the TV on and you reminded me of one of my very favorite shows that I haven't watched in quite a while. Um, but I did a marathon of it yesterday while I was working on mindless stuff. Uh, Shit's Creek. I love that show. So good. It is so good. I watched that for the first time, probably, I don't know, two or two or three years ago or something. It was like right when they were it was right during award season when they completely swept the awards at the end of their last season of, of airing the show. So whenever that was, was the first time I watched it. And I, that show hit, it resonated with me so much for one specific reason that I want to tell you about in just a second, but I want to hear what you love about that show. Oh my gosh. I love everything about that show. I started watching it probably about the same time. And I have watched it start to finish at least three times. No, four times. Because I've watched it twice by myself. I watched it once with my mom when she was staying down here. And I'm pretty sure I watched it with Cadence. Oh, my God. It's it's so so worth it. My best moment. First of all, I love David and his relationship. That makes me believe in love. Right. Is it Patrick? I haven't gotten that far yet. But Patrick, right? Yes. Okay. And the simply the best is my very, 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 very favorite scene when David is singing to Patrick and when Patrick is singing to David. But when David dances and sings Tina Turner, simply the best. Yes. That's one of those where I will watch it, rewind it, watch it, rewind it. And I could do that all day. Oh, I love that. So I've only seen that once, but I had the same reaction as you did. It's so good. It's so, so good. good. Oh, my God. <laughs> so what I love most about that show is David. David is – oh, my – I feel like David is me. I, and I, <laughs> you tell me. You tell me. I mean, maybe a little bit um, fancier than I am. Uh, but in terms of the sass and <laughs> just kind of how he – thinks about things and his kind of snarkiness, um, which I, I'm maybe not quite as snarky anymore um, externally, but often <laughs> in my head, I, I, I process and think things like that. And then I kind of filter it out a little bit. Um, but uh, David just like he, he, I felt so connected to him with the first time I watched the show and now rewatching it, I'm just all over again. I'm like, yes, David. I just, yes, I love him. Maybe that's why I love him so much is because he reminds me of you. (laughs) Because I love you both. (laughs) 
love you both very much. I just, I am so impressed by it because it was Dan Levy and his dad, Eugene Levy. Um, so David and Johnny that, that created that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just like, I'm so impressed by the, the brilliance, the creativity and uh, skill in coming up with the concept, not just the concept for the show, but the the writing and the storylines and the humor and all of it uh, just I don't know the work that goes into it and the creativity that goes into it is something that I always get um I always have mad respect for and that show especially just like I will watch that show over and over and over again now that I have remembered it well and I'm a sucker for love so if you can give me a really good love story that I can feel really invested in then I will ride that till the wheels fall off. And I, I just, David and Patrick, I can't, I don't, I just love their love so much. Yeah. I need to get back to that part in the show um, to be where you are in terms of loving their love. But I do remember that I loved their love when I watched it. I just, I, I, I can't, I'm not feeling it right now because I haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. No, my, yeah, I love it. All right. Do you want to um, introduce our topic today? Sorry, that was a quick change there. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Sure. So today we're going to be talking about standing up for yourself and finding your voice. Okay. So when you first brought this topic up, um, my very first, I think I even said this to you, my very first reaction was, well, you and I are such kind of strong women and have never ever had a problem standing up for ourselves and defending what we believe. Um, So I at first was a little hesitant to tackle this one because I didn't know, you know, if we'd have a lot to say about it. But in, in, you know, kind of brainstorming and thinking through, I think that there's a lot of value in the, in the experiences that we've had in terms of sticking up for ourselves. And, and also, you know, I have done a lot of thinking about ways that I know I've gone through life and maybe have been in situations where I haven't, haven't found my voice or haven't stuck up for myself in certain, um, realms. Uh, and yeah. And so I think that, there's there's going to be value in in our experiences and what we can share um in terms of being strong and having that voice uh in most aspects of our lives but then also finding that there's other areas where we don't so much right and i also think that there's a lot of value for people who know us to know that you know even for people who do, you know, stand up for themselves often, it can still be very difficult. It's not always easy. You can still get that, you know, feeling in your gut and it's still scary and it can still be hard. I just don't ever want it to seem like because I come across as, you know, maybe a little bit of a loud mouth or a little bold that it's not difficult at times. Right. Absolutely. You know, I, I, so I was trying to think, okay, where, what are some times where I have 
stood up for myself. Um, the, the very first thing that popped into my head is just my mom asked me to do something or, you know, wants to do something that's going to take some time that, that I don't have. And this doesn't happen so much anymore, but I was a single mom for a long time. Uh, until I met my partner, um, we've been together for 10 years. My daughter was 11, but between the ages of two and 11, I was a single mom. Uh, my daughter's ages were two and 11, not mine. Um, <laughs> I, was a, <laughs> I was a single mom and, you know, my whole life I've, I've worked full time. I've, you know, just juggled that and, um, owning a house, or a townhouse or whatever it was and trying to juggle work and being a mom and taking care of my home and going to, you know, um, grocery shopping or doing chores or taking my daughter to her soccer games or her gymnastics or whatever. Um, I just, I have had not a lot of time to spare in my life. And so there are times where, or there have been times where, you know, I might've had a little bit of downtime and someone would ask me to do something or, you know, if it was something that was like really important and they really genuinely needed my help with something, I would always do it. But if it was something that it was just like, Hey, we're doing this. Do you want to help us? Um, and it wouldn't meaningfully contribute, you know, I, I would say no. And my mom was the person that I would do that to most often. And she, you know, she said, wow, you just really have no problem saying no to things. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah. But also she, I could hear kind of like the frustration in her voice, but she understood. Um, and, you know, I mean, that's just kind of one tiny area of where, standing up for myself in terms of, of respecting my, my time and the very precious little downtime that I had that I genuinely needed to kind of recharge, um, was a way that, that I've been able to do in my life that I think a lot of people necessarily don't do. They feel, um, they feel like they, they need to do this or they, you know, have to say yes to everything. Right. And I actually, that reminded me that, um, even just this Sunday, I was given what I feel one of the best compliments that I've ever been given. And it is by a woman who is very important to me. And she told me uh, when it comes to my communication, that I am a very, very clear communicator and that sometimes that is to my detriment and that people don't want to receive that. But when you're talking to me, you always kind of know where I stand and what you're getting. And I think that is a big part of being able to assert yourself and being able to stand up for yourself. Cause she was saying that I will offer, you know, if I'm not feeling something, I will say, you know, look, I'm just drained today. Like I just don't have the bandwidth. I can't today. And I really appreciated that she kind of saw that in me is how important communication is to me. And, you know, that that is something that makes it easier for me to stand up for myself because I do try and be as clear as possible. That 
I mean, first of all, I completely agree with her. You are, you are a very good, very clear communicator. And I, I mean, maybe it's because I've known you forever um, that, you know, I don't see it as a detriment. I see it as you offering uh, value and respect. Um, I will say, okay, can I just say one thing? Um, I have been going through this exercise of identifying my core values in life. Mm -hmm. And one of my top core values is authenticity. Okay. And when you, when you were telling me that just now, I, I wrote down authenticity because that's what, that's what that is. I mean, you're being your true self. You're being your authentic self. You're not, you know, coming up with a lie or, you know, sugarcoating the truth because you're authentic. And to me, it's, it's exhausting and it's contradictory to, well, for me, my core values, if I'm not being truthful about why I'm saying no to something or, or why I'm telling somebody something, um, maybe that's not like the, the exact appropriate application of the, of the value authenticity, but it felt like, you know, if you're telling somebody something and other people aren't necessarily prepared to hear what you have to say and you don't say it or you say something different or you say a modified version of, of it, that's like almost, you know, contradicting your, your authenticity. Right. And (laughs) Does that make sense? I Yeah, absolutely. And I think it gives you, first of all, to acknowledge it is not always easy. Sometimes it is so much easier to avoid responding or to just make something up or whatever it may be. But what I find is when you have that base of always being true and clear when you do need to assert yourself and you do need to stand up for yourself, you have built this foundation. Mm -hmm. And so people know, but it is difficult. Like I said, it can be difficult. And I have definitely, I couldn't say missed out because I don't think you really miss out, especially if you are being authentic, but it has definitely made it difficult in terms of romantic relationships for me, even just being willing to be like, you know what, that doesn't really work for me. Even if it's something small, I have run into people having a a difficult time (laughs) accepting (laughs) what you have to say, even if you're not being rude about it, you're just being very clear. Like, okay, like, that's cool. It's just Mm -hmm. not for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. I think I've had I've had this same thing um, and not just in romantic relationships, but really in my life in general, I've always had this way of saying things very bluntly um, without really thinking about how I was saying it or what impact it was going to have on who I was saying it to. And um, I have painstakingly worked on that over the last, I don't know, 10, 15 20 years. And, you know, I feel like I do take the time more now to think through 
the impact of my words before I say them. Right. No, and I completely, I can co-sign what you're saying for sure. And you do, um, I, w- I guess it's more tact, but that doesn't sound right. That sounds harsher than what I mean. Um, but I can definitely see the evolution in you from when we were younger to now. When... Tact is absolutely appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> when you have an opinion, I love that you have never faltered in sharing that opinion, especially because we are so close and we do have opinions about each other's lives. And we do talk about things like that. That's just part of long-term friendships. Um, and I love how that has definitely become more mindful with both of us. Yeah. Yeah, it has. And and I've seen the evolution in you as well. Um, you and I were, I think in, in, you know, we definitely had our spats. <laughs> spats seems like a silly word to use, but when we were younger, accurate. when we were kids, <laughs> totally accurate. Um, you know, even into our twenties, we definitely had more bickering and more fights. Um, and, and I think a re- that was a result of both of us um, just saying what was on our minds in a way that wasn't thoughtful of mm-hmm. how it came out. Yeah, I tell Savannah even now, and I tell people this all the time, um, and it started with a conversation that you and I were having. I even remember where I was when we had this conversation. It was back in my my little gingerbread house apartment that I had in Eugene at the end of the alley. Uh-huh. Um, Upstairs. Uh-huh. And you were uh, upset about something and we were talking. And I um, went straight into, like, helping, counseling, fixing mode. And then there was a point when we were talking where I was like, okay, if you need me to just be quiet and listen. I am totally down to do that. I just need you to let me know. (laughs) Like, and it is evolved, but that was pretty early. Like that was in our twenties where it was like, if you don't want me to give you my opinion on anything, I'm totally fine with that. If you just want me to listen, that's awesome. Just tell me, you know, that I know, I know what you're talking. I can't remember the exact topic of the conversation. Um, But I remember that because that, that has stuck with me. I have always appreciated that you approached that that way or that, you know, that's kind of the conclusion that you came to. And I have used that, um, in other relationships in my life since then. So thank you for teaching me that. Um, I wanted to ask, is that something that you learned from somewhere or was that, did that just pop into your head? It just popped into my head because we were talking about something and I was frustrating you. Like you just needed someone to listen. And I was making it hard for you because I was trying to help. And yeah. that's just not what you needed at that moment. And so it was leading to an argument or it had led to an argument or it was getting close. I'm not sure which one, but it was on that track. And you and I have known each other for so long. Like we know that stuff about each other. Mm -hmm. And so it was just like, okay, look, (laughs) I don't have to give you any opinions at all. That's totally fine. I'm still here. Hit me with it. So I think one of the major things 
about sticking up for yourself that we can discuss is boundaries. I think we need to talk about boundaries. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, without having boundaries, what is there to stick up for, you know? Absolutely. And again, a lot of this stuff can be very, very difficult. It's not something that just happens overnight. And there's so much that goes into making us who we are, whether it be, you know, how we were raised or where we were raised or our situations right now. There's a lot that can go into it that makes it difficult. But I think if you have a good foundation of good communication and good boundaries, then it's so much easier to stick up for yourself. Mm -hmm. I think first you need to know what your boundaries are. And I will say that for most of my life, um, I didn't have a clear conversation with myself about what my boundaries are, but I knew in theory, you know, I kind of knew, you know, what they are without having the words to apply to them. Mm -hmm. So it was more like what makes me uncomfortable, what um, activates, you know, what activates me or my, you know, negative reactions um, in that kind of thing. And only, you know, in the last few years have I actually tried to put words to what those boundaries are. Um, I'm sure that there were certain things when I was, you know, younger that I did have words for those boundaries, but it was more just kind of this thought, these thoughts and feelings in my head. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think is important as well is understanding that if you feel like something's not okay, I know with myself, there's an inner dialogue all the time. Like, okay, I'm feeling this way. It's probably not a big deal. Just let it go. Well, do you want to let it go? What does it mean if you let it go? Right. What path are you walking yourself down if you let it go? And is that the best way to handle it? And that's when the nerves kick in. And there are very many times where I have stood up for myself with my voice shaking, feeling like I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. And that is like, that is a, a reaction um, caused by the amygdala, I believe. I've been learning about this lately. Um, I have been going to um, a therapist um, recently just to kind of work on some, some you know, stuff. And that we've been talking about core values, but we've also been talking about having that kind of... Um, that physical reaction when words or actions of other people elicit kind of this like emotion or physical reaction and what causes that. And there's actually this like physiological um, process in your brain that goes down this nerve. But um, I get that. My therapist literally said to me, don't ever play poker because I get this. (laughs) I get this red flush across my chest and up my neck um, when my boundaries are pushed like that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, something that you had said earlier about being a single parent really resonated with me because the time management and the respect of the boundaries, that is one of the biggest things that I feel like I've had to assert myself mm-hmm. about. Yep. Me too. By the way, both of us as 
single moms in our lives with young children. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's not always well received. It's often not well received. And that um, that can be a big bummer, especially when you care about somebody a lot and they push against those boundaries and you have to stand up for yourself. And it, you know, sometimes it just comes down to a standoff and that can be really sad and frustrating. Yeah, it can. It can. And I think it shows, um, you know, a lack of trying to put yourself in somebody else's shoes when, when people just flat out are, you know, not considerate of, of those boundaries. So can I share an example? Oh yes, please. Okay. So many a year ago, um, I was dating this guy and we had kids the same age. Um, and, we were going to go to the beach for spring break because he had a beach house and we hadn't been together a terribly long time, but our kids had met. Um, They'd hung out together uh, and got along really well. And so this was going to be kind of our first time going out of town, um, you know, with the kids and we'd plan this. I, you know, reconfirmed the plans with him before I told my daughter about it, because, you know, I, I was a single mom. I didn't have the means to go on vacations very often. Um, I was fortunate enough to take her on a couple of pretty cool ones, but it was few and far between. And so this was going to be a big outing. And, um, so after making the plans and reconfirming them, I told my daughter, Hey, we're going to go to the beach for spring break. Um, you know, so she could get excited and gosh, a few, like less than a week before we were supposed to go on the trip, I had gone over to his house and I started talking about the trip and, um, and he said to me, Oh yeah, there's been a slight change of plans. And I'm going to take my friend and his family instead. So instead of my daughter and me. Um, so essentially he was trying to tell me and in a really shitty way that he didn't want to go on the trip with my daughter and me for whatever reason. Um, and instead of talking about it with me, he just went ahead and invited his friend and his friend's family and made that decision that we weren't going to be going on this trip. Um, and, you know, if he didn't want us to go on the trip, I wouldn't have wanted to go on the trip anyway. But I just found it was so just completely inconsiderate. And like he had given no thought to how this was going to affect this young child who was excited about going to the beach for spring break. Yeah. Um you know, not talking to me about this, if he had talked to me about his concerns, I would have shared his concerns because I was right there with him. But, you know, we had talked about going and we were going to do this. And, you know, 
ultimately he made this decision for us. He made this decision for me and for my daughter without talking to me about it beforehand. And I had to be the one to break the news to my daughter that, Hey, this beach trip, this vacation that um, I've been getting you excited about for spring break. Yeah. That's not happening uh, because somebody else made this decision for me. That was a huge boundary that he crossed for me. I, I honestly broke up with him right then and there. Good for you. I mean, that is so hard. And being able to stand up for yourself and break up with him right then and there, I think that's something that takes a lot of courage. That well, is one of the a, most, huh? It showed complete disrespect for oh, yeah. everything about me and my child. I mean. Yeah. But a lot of times that would be the type of thing that you could walk away from and then address in a less scary way you know like instead of having a face-to-face conversation you know what I'm saying yeah totally yes and I think that is awesome and that to me that is something as a single mom that I have encountered as well and it's so frustrating because I want my children to be able to be excited the being excited about the activity is one of the most important things about the activity and Mm -hmm. it is so so frustrating when People don't have, you know, that kind of regard or they think, I know with myself that there have been times where it's been presented to me as a problem with myself that I get upset when that boundary is disrespected. Unfortunately, I've had something happen, um, you know, that's similar, maybe not as like severe. I don't, but it's still very, very frustrating when someone makes a plan with you and then they will not communicate clearly with you or respect your time. Mm -hmm. Because as a single parent, we are not just responsible for ourselves. There are other schedules involved. Every moment that you are waiting to find out what's going on or every moment that you are not being told what is happening Those are things that you could be planning for your kids. Those are other things that you could be doing. Those, it just takes such a toll and it's so frustrating. Yeah. The mental space that even just having to wonder because you know, it's not just you involved, it's your kid. The mental space about worrying and wondering and and needing to know, okay, do I need to plan this or should I plan something else because I don't want this time to go by without doing X, Y, or Z for my child is exhausting too. Mm -hmm. And then being told, at least in my situation, where it's a problem with me. I'm impatient because I need to know what's going on so that we can plan it. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, that is the person saying that to you is being completely self-centered, selfish. It's so it's really important. And, And I did a little bit of, um, just kind of Googling and, and looking into, you know, ways to stand up for yourself because I was, you know, like, what are we going to have to talk about? Because we're so good at it. (laughs) Um, And I I came across something that it's so true and it's so hard for, especially women, um, but so true. And it's hundred percent accurate for what you just described in your situation is to 
don't apologize for sticking to your boundaries. You have your boundaries. There is a reason for them. You've communicated your boundaries. This person knows what your boundaries are and chooses to disrespect them and thereby disrespecting you and showing how self-centered they are. Why, why should you apologize? You know, why should that be put on you as a flaw that you have when you clearly communicated? I mean, as you said, you are very clear at communicating and that is 100% um, not something that is on you and not that you did this, but I think it's important to state that it's so easy to say, I'm sorry. Right. Or take the blame for something when the blame's not your, like the blame is not yours to take, but to kind of smooth over a situation, people, women especially are so um, often doing that. And it's compromising, I think, their boundaries, poking holes in those boundaries, you know, and that's not fair to ourselves when we do that. Absolutely. And I feel like with a lot of the romantic relationships that I've had in the past, people, the men that I've dated, they like the things about me that they end up wanting to change. If okay, that makes sense. Like that. They like that I am a clear communicator or they like that I have boundaries or they like that they know what to expect or they like that I come off as, you know, strong and independent until Mm -hmm. it's something that goes against what they want in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's all good in theory, but when it comes down to, when it comes down to it, it's not quite as cool if you're not getting what you want. You know, I think that again, goes back to just people being very self centered, very selfish. And they, you know, and that's something that I, I know you and I have both worked really hard to try not to do that in our lives. Mm -hmm. And it does take work. That's the biggest thing I think that we are trying to convey is that it's not just super easy for anybody. It does take work. And for me, what really bums me out is when my kids get affected by it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, very recently my son was impacted because someone that he, you know, really cared about um, didn't show up for him. Didn't. And that sucks. It does suck. It's, it's it's like, I've, I've tried to explain this to, um, to my daughter because uh, she's older now. She's 20 and we're, we have such great conversations and just, it's so great to hang out with her and just talk to her as an adult. Um, there are times where, you know, she has been hurt in her life. And I have tried to explain to her that as a parent, seeing your kid get hurt, it's like a million times worse than if you were hurt yourself. Um, the pain that, that as a parent, I feel when I see something happen to my kid is so much worse than if that thing had happened to me. So when you see somebody else, you know, doing something, not showing up for your kid when they're excited about it, it's just, it's just like such a, such a visceral reaction almost. 
Yeah, and it sucks. And, you know, this past weekend was his birthday, and it just is a bummer. It's just, it's a bummer. But it is, you know, you can't protect them from everything. But like you said, having your kid be hurt or disappointed is very painful. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. And, you know, I mean, when it comes down to it, you've got to know when to get out of those situations. You know, if, if it's like, um, this person keeps disappointing you or crossing your boundary or, um, or kind of trying to minimize your boundary or make it seem like that's your boundary is not important. That becomes a very toxic situation and that's not going to be a healthy situation for anybody involved. Oh yeah. Uh, Or yeah. What I feel in my case, it felt like I was being, someone was trying to teach me that my boundary wasn't important. That the way that I need to be communicated with or the respect that I need to be shown, um, wasn't wasn't correct and this person was going to teach me that that's just not the way it was going to be wow did you enroll in that school (laughs) no I didn't actually (laughs) therefore I dropped out (laughs) boundary school dropout (laughs) so I think the lesson that learned from this school of uh, boundary dropouts. (laughs) You just, you, you, you got to walk away. You've got to stick up for yourself and don't let holes get poked in that foundation that you built. The foundation being your values, your boundaries, because your boundaries are typically based on your values. And that is, you know, what is going to make you successful in whatever you strive to do in life and it's going to make you happy and it's going to give you a sense of self-worth um when you've when you've got your values and you've got boundaries around those values and you stick up for them you're not going to get holes poked in that foundation that you're building to tie back to um a reference that you made earlier absolutely yeah So that is the lesson learned here. And we finally did a lesson learned. I can't remember if we did that in the last episode, but um, there is a lesson for today. Yeah, I think we did. (laughs) Yeah. And the lesson that I learn and am always learning is that you are going to be okay if you stick up for yourself. It's going to be okay. And if you're feeling like something is wrong or you're feeling like there's something that you need to say, you can do that and you're going to be all right. And it takes practice. Like you said, building that foundation, it's not easy for anybody, but finding your voice is imperative. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, as you and I learned in our lives that we mentioned, sometimes that voice is maybe just a little rough around the edges and it needs to get smoothed out um, so that you're mindful of the impact that your words are having on other people while not compromising your authenticity, you know, still be you. Cause like, like you said earlier, you're somebody that you are very close to and you respect very much told you that you're a very clear communicator. Um, 
some people might not be ready to hear what you have to say. That said, you have this way of communicating things in a way that is respectful of other people. And you think about the impact that your words are going to have on them, whether it's something that they're ready to hear or not, doesn't mean that you're communicating it in a negative way or in a hurtful way. So just, you know, it's important to, to, to refine the language that you use so that your words are coming across in the most just kind way possible. Um, and I say that not to preach or anything like that, just as kind of a reminder to myself even, because it's a, it's a continuous learning process for me and something that I'm still working on. Oh, absolutely. And no one is going to be perfect. Nobody expects you to be perfect. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to expect you to be perfect because when you make a mistake, the person that you've made the mistake with has also made mistakes in their lives. And you can just say sorry. Like you can take ownership if you've made a mistake and it's okay. And I, I believe that's part of the standing up for you yourself process is oh, yeah. that, okay, yeah, I, uh, I didn't do that perfectly. I didn't do that great. I have some regrets. And you can apologize and you're apologizing to a human being who has been there. That's right. Just don't apologize for sticking to your boundaries. Exactly. Yeah. Word. Word, yo. All right. All right. <laughs> jinx. It's like half jinx. Well, I can't punch you or get a Coke. I don't remember which one of those things goes with jinxing. Yeah. First of all, I've never heard the punch thing. I think that's with the <laughs> love bug game in the car when you see it beetle a volkswagen beetle um the you owe me a coke thing is something that i had never heard until i was like in my 20s when we were kids in portland oregon anyway it was always you couldn't say anything until the other person said your name yeah but then if you did say something you got punched (laughs) oh is that what that was yeah i think you're right i think my brothers punched me a lot yeah because of that same these yeah all right Well, this has been, um, I think this has been a really good conversation for myself as a reminder um, to just kind of always be aware and think through, you know, my, my boundaries and sticking to them and making sure my foundation is solid and making sure to think about the words that I'm using when I am sticking to those boundaries. Excellent. Well, I look forward to next time. Uh, As do 